questions. Let's see if this thing works. Conversations that count. You know, we can probably all remember uh, conversations that we've had in our lives that are seared in our memory that we can't forget. Maybe good ones, maybe bad ones. I, I will never forget the time uh, my dad talked to me about where babies come from. You know, I remember that talk. We were sitting on this little grassy knoll at this, at this park, and we talked about how it works, and it's seared in my memory banks, you know? And, and it's funny, like, you know, you fast forward 21 years, not 21 years later, but about maybe 17 years later, I don't know how many years later, but then Tony Kettering, who was my, uh, my campus minister, talked to me again about that as I was about to go on my honeymoon. <laughs> and it was like, wow, a minister is talking to me about this stuff. This is amazing. You know, it's a whole new world because as a single, you really are striving to be pure and everything. You know, my wife and I dated for three years in the, in the church and we were pure. Amen. And then it's kind of like, wow, I, I will never forget that talk. I'll just say that much. Uh, I will never forget the, the, the first conversation I had with my wife, Dessa. Uh, it was on July 4th, 1989. Uh, we were watching the fireworks with the campus ministry on this, you know, in this grassy area there in, uh, in, in Evergreen, Colorado. It was our first real conversation. It's just seared in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you probably have many of those in your life that, that, where, where it's just that, that this conversation suddenly became something that was crucial. It was something that was important. It was something that would last and so we're going to talk about that today, conversations that really count. Some of us are more gifted in conversation than others. Uh, you know, part of the thing that attracted me to, to my wife, Dessa, was she's really good at conversation, and I'm not so good at it. You know, I just kind of like to be quiet, you know? And so she would keep the conversation rolling, because she was really good at it. After 10, uh, actually about 15 years of marriage, something like that, we, uh, we took a, a marriage class called uh, Dynamic Marriages, and we were learning to be facilitators of this class, and then we, we uh, helped facilitate it for other people uh, for several years. But anyway, one of the things that you do when you're going through this class is you identify what are your biggest emotional needs. And there's all these, there's 10 different emotional needs, uh, recreational companionship, financial support, uh, sexual attraction, uh, sexual fulfillment, attractive spouse, just all these different needs. There's 10 of them. Conversation is one of them. Conversation was number one on my wife's list as an emotional need, and it was number 10 on my list. So you could see how there was sometimes problems because she felt more of a need for conversation than I did. But we've worked on that. And through the year, you know, since we took that class, I can honestly say conversation has bumped up. It's might, it might be like seven now or something because I've learned. I've grown. Uh, some of us are annoyed by conversation, <laughs> you know. Um, on Thursday, I was planning on working on this lesson. And so I thought, okay, I got to get worked on my car. So I'll take my car into the, uh, the dealership and get this work done. And so I'm sitting in the lobby, and the TV is just blasting. So I'm trying to you know, work on my sermon, look at the Bible, and the TV is blasting, and it's The View. Now, no offense if you love The View, but the conversation was just annoying me. Some of their opinions and stuff, and they speak as if they know everything, and I'm just like, oh, this is annoying me. But for all of us, conversation is an important part of God's plan. Conversation is... Uh, it, it, with God in conversation with others, that's the way that we are changed. That's the way we're transformed. And the goal is not for any of us to remain the same, but for each of us to continually transform into the likeness of Christ. So we're going to be talking about three things today from the book of Colossians. Uh, number one, conversation with God. Number two, conversation with others. And number three, conversation with others outside the church. So let's say, say a word of prayer. Uh, turn over to Colossians, as I mentioned, and uh, then we'll jump into the scriptures. God, thank you for who you are. It was just so great to meditate on, uh, on you for a while there with the different songs, especially Betty's song, just uh, that conversation with you about how uh, you, you are my everything. And thank you that you are that kind of God for us. Uh, God, that you're not just a judgmental God, you're not just the creator of the universe, but that you want a relationship with us. It's amazing. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us today from your scriptures May you speak, may you have a conversation with everyone here today. I know there's a reason that each person is here today, and I pray that we can open our hearts and open our minds to what you want to say to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one, conversation with God. Colossians 1, verse 3. 
Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians, and he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. And he continues on with what his prayers are specifically. But it's interesting, a few words there in in this letter to the Colossians. He says, we have not stopped praying for you. And he he says, this is the way we feel whenever we pray for you. And then he says, we continually ask God. You just get the sense that Paul had an ongoing dialogue with God. And he had these things that he was asking God for specifically. I don't think he would lie and say these things when he didn't really mean it. I mean, I think he honestly really prayed these things for these people. And he had this kind of relationship with God where there was things that he was continually asking God about or talking with God about, just had an ongoing dialogue with God. Can you say that that's, you know, your relationship with God? That you have an ongoing dialogue with God? That you're, you're journeying through life together with God? That you're, you're having this conversation with God throughout your life? That's the way we were meant to live. That's the way we were meant to be in relationship with God. You know, I know some people are kind of super spiritual, you know, uh, kind of religious, and they're like, oh yeah, I pray all the time. I'm praying right now. You know, but they never really, you know, actually pray. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, you could tell someone, here's what I'm praying for for you, or here's what I'm praying for for my life, or here's what I'm praying for for my family, or here's some breakthroughs I've had in my relationship with God. There's a a phrase here I'm going to mention several times today because I want you to take something away from the lesson today, and that is this. For conversation to count, it's depth not amount. For conversation to count, it's depth, not amount. It's not just that you spend a lot of time praying, though spending time praying is important, but Jesus said this. Listen to what Jesus said. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. You know, there are religious people that that's their relationship with God. It's just many words. It's just if I say this enough times, maybe it'll work, you know, or maybe God will hear me. That's not it. It's depth. It's, it's, it's where is your heart with God? It's depth, not amount. Do you go deep in your relationship with God? Where's your heart with God? How are you doing with your prayer life? Uh, if you're visiting with us today, uh, you know, we would love to help you learn how to pray. You learn how to pray from other people. That's the way I learned. Hearing other people's prayers and seeing the, the way they connect with God and then you, you just learn how to have a relationship with God. And that's who we are as a church. We're trying to uh, pass on to others what we've discovered. And that is God is incredible, just like Betty shared about. And so we want to help you. We want to teach you to pray. We want to get together with you and, and show you. You know, it's the first time, I think sometimes you pray with someone else, you feel kind of nervous about it. But it's like, no, just talk to God. Just tell him what's on your heart. And sometimes those first prayers people have, you know, they're the best ones. I mean, I, I love that. I love helping someone learn to pray. I love uh, helping someone to connect with God. And uh, there was a, a guy who I, I studied the Bible with when I, I was in college, and he became a Christian. And I remember his first prayers. You know, we're out in this field, and we're, we're going to pray together. And he said something like, Oh, great, unsearchable Lord of hosts, we beseech thee, we liken unto the flowers of the field whose glory doth fade. Or, you know, something like that. It's like, Dude, you don't have to be religious, you know? You don't have to use flowery language for God to hear you. Just talk. Just talk to God. Just have a conversation with God. You know what's amazing is that God wants us to be real. You know, God wants us to, to be honest and open with Him. Look at, in Colossians 4. Uh, fast forward there in your, in your scriptures there to, fa- to Colossians 4. Verse 2. Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. What does it mean to be devoted? Can you say that? I've obeyed this verse. I've devoted myself to prayer. That's a convicting verse, isn't it? Devote yourself to prayer. It means, you know, devote. It's not just ho-hum. It's not just casual. It's, no, I'm devoted to this. This is serious to me. This is an important part of my life. It's intentional. I'm committed to this. I'm reliable in showing up for my time with God. 
Devote yourself to prayer. For conversation to count, it's depth, not amount. Uh, there's a verse in 1 Peter 5, 7 where, where Peter writes, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Write that down in, in your, if you're taking notes. 1, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's a good one to memorize. Because it doesn't say cast some anxiety on him. It doesn't say share a few anxieties. It doesn't say open up a little bit about what you're feeling. Cast all your anxiety on him. You're just letting it all go. If you're casting it on him, then that would infer that it's not on your back anymore, right? So you're casting it on him. Why? Because he cares for you. God is a loving father. He wants to bless your life. He wants to help you out. He wants to hear what you're going through. So why not call on him? You know that God wants a relationship with you. The ball is in your court. And how will you respond to him? Again, if you're visiting with us, you might have different things about God, different, you know, we all have these misconceptions. There's a lot of confusion out there. You know, God has given us his word to discover who he really is. And I really encourage you to, to, to invest and find out. I, I love in, in Betty's song, some of those words, why you love me so. Will I ever know what you see in me beyond my frailties? I can be myself in my prayers with you. You know me so well, no mask I wear with you. You are the love of my soul. You are the one who makes whole. You are my everything you are. You say I'm perfectly made. You say I'm covered in grace, unconditionally loved, my sin recalled no more. I can hear your voice in the still of the night. You reveal the course, the plan you have for my life. So awesome, you know, that, that, that we can have that kind of relationship with God. Look a little bit farther down there in Colossians 4 and verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always, when? Always. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. This is a challenging verse for my prayer life. Because I like to pray, I like to connect with God. But I kind of like it to be special and comfortable. You know, I'm a songwriter and and I'm kind of artsy, and so I like to, you know, get my cup of coffee and go on my hill and just sort of be with God among the flowers. And, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Connect with God and write songs, and all that's good, but how often do I wrestle in prayer? You know, wrestling is not casual. Wrestling is not kind of relaxed. I, I, I was looking at a few uh, videos. This is, I'm going to show a, a video here. This is from 1996. You might know this. Is my video there? Huh. Well, I did this another time. I'm sorry. Is this it, Sherwin? No, it's not that one. (laughs) I'll show that one later. That one's wrestling, but I uh, I might have not put it in. So, you guys have probably seen it. If you, if, you, if you just YouTube Olympic wrestling, you know, you could YouTube it on your smartphone right now if you want. I, I'll give you permission. Olympic wrestling, you just, these guys, they're, I mean, they are giving everything they have to that wrestling match. And when they get done, they're sweaty and they're huffing and puffing and, you know what I'm saying? It takes all of their energy it's just a few minutes, but you just sent, they are exhausted. Now, I've never been a wrestler. I know Marco was a wrestler. He was a good one, right? <laughs> Mark, I just appreciate you, you, you got out there on the mat. But, uh, you know, I never was a wrestler, but, but I don't, you know, I wrestle with my kids. My kids like to wrestle. And, and they just love it, and it, and it, it takes everything they have, you know, they're, they're just putting all their strength into it, and we're, we're sweaty, and we're tired when we're done, because it's, it's exhausting. And so if you think about prayer life being a wrestling match, wow, that, that's a challenge, isn't it? And so think about, it. is there anything God's putting on your heart right now that you feel prompted? I really need to wrestle in prayer about this. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's an issue in your own household, maybe it's an issue with your character. I encourage you to write that down, act on it, pray about it, make a decision. I'm going to be intentional about wrestling in prayer about 
this. Uh, Second thing, conversation with others. Conversation with others. Uh, Skip back to, uh, flip back to Colossians 1 again in your Bible there. Colossians 1. Give me an amen when you're there. In Colossians 1 verse 28, it says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. You know, Paul says we have these kind of relationships with each other where we are admonishing and teaching each other, and our goal is to help one another to be more like Jesus. And Paul says not, not, not only do we do this, but he says I really work on this. I strenuously contend with all the energy God gives me to help other people to transform. You know, God uses other people to help us. We were built for relationships. I mean, you see people change in the Bible. You see people transform or become Christians. It's usually through other people. That's how God works. I mean, it's the rare person that God is going to appear to you in a cloud and say, you know, Dr. Henry Kramer. You know, Henry's awesome, but that's not how God did it, right, Henry? He used someone. He uses people. And so we are meant to be in relationships with one another. We're built for that. I mean, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you know that. You need people. It messes you up when you're alone. That's why solitary confinement is the worst torture you can have, just because it messes with your brain after a while, just not being in human contact, because we need each other. And that's, that's why we have the church. Um, if, if you've grown up... Uh, not coming to church or whatever, or people have different misconceptions about the church. A lot of people, when they hear the word church, they think of a building, right? Or they think of a physical location. And that's not what the Bible has in mind when it talks about the church. The church is a group of people. And the, the illustration that the Bible uses most often for the church is a body. It's, a phys, it's like your human body. Just think about how connected the different parts of your body are to one another. And not one, one part of your body can survive apart from the rest because you're all so connected to each other. Each part is connected to each other and everything works together. That's who we are. That's who we are meant to be as a body of relationships. Uh, I appreciated what um, Steve uh, brought up, uh, a point that he made at our, at our uh, workshop a couple weeks ago with the family ministry. He asked us all to write down on our piece of paper... Uh, the, the sermons that we had heard that changed our life. And so, you know, he gave us a little bit of time, and people wrote down different sermons. And then he said, okay, now I want you to write down on a piece of paper the people, the relationships that have changed your life. And that was a lot easier. And we had a lot more of them. Why? Because that's, that's how we change. That's how we transform. It's through relationships. It's through connection with people. It's through conversation with others that God brings about real change. For conversation to count, it's depth, not amount. And so when you come into the church, you can sometimes form relationships that are closer than with your own family you grew up with. Because the conversation goes deep. So you can have friends you've spent years with, but it's never been very deep. You have a lot of amount, but not much depth. And in the church, when we get deep, it's amazing how that, the connections, the, the relationship can be so... It can really count. It can be a real conversation that counts because of the depth. I uh, appreciate uh, Matt and Tisha Martin. They're uh, community group leaders in, in, the, in the ministry here. An awesome couple. And uh, they, they, have re- they, they are always having conversations with people. And uh, I appreciate you know, seeing Tisha having a conversation over here and having a conversation over here. And uh, We get together with them every week. And uh, if you're visiting with us, we have in, in our church what's called discipling relationships where we're all, disciple means you're a student, you're a student of Jesus, a student of Christ. And so in these discipling relationships, we help one another to grow more like Christ. And it's sort of like when you're, when you're taking a class and you have a study partner and you're helping each other, that's the way we are spiritually. How much more important is it to be ready for, for the spiritual battle, right? So we have these relationships and everyone in our church has a discipling relationship. They have somebody they get with on a regular basis and just talk about how they're doing. So Matt and Tisha... Uh, we get together with them every week. Uh, we have an, a weekly slot. Once in a while, we'll miss it. But it's great to have a weekly slot because then if you miss it, you know you missed it, right? If you don't have a weekly slot, it's kind of like weeks go by. Oh, yeah, we, sh- we should get together, shouldn't we? 
But, but having that weekly time, you know, we, we, in fact, our schedules are crazy. So we had to map, map out like a month at a time. Here's where all our slots are going to be. And, and it's great because you see transformation because we're just talking. That's all we're really doing is getting together talking. But over the holidays, we hadn't gotten together for a while because of the holidays and all that. We were traveling. So we got together. We were going to go on a date, have dinner and a movie. And so we were lined up to go to a movie. And, but we, were, we started talking. And we're like, okay, do you want to talk and have the D time or you want to go to the movie? Me and Matt are kind of like, movie, movie, movie. <laughs> Tish is like, I feel like we really need to talk. We're like, okay, amen, we'll talk. But we had a great talk. I appreciate her heart. She knows we need spiritual conversation. And uh, I, uh, Catherine Shump wrote me something. I asked some people to share any conversations that, that they've had that were transformative. And, and this is what Catherine wrote. I think about the many conversations we have had with the Kramers that have transformed our lives and marriage and helped us become who we are today. They help us focus on specific areas of our lives or marriage that we needed to grow, and they would help us to have the tools and vision to change. One area I was challenged in was my trust in God and not being anxious about our finances. Henry told me to remember that I am too blessed to be stressed. It's a good one. And I've recalled that phrase a lot when I've been tempted to give in to anxiety. Henry is so great in giving these summary phrases to think about over a long talk. I'm so grateful for discipling. We all need discipling, and we never arrive. So, amen, we all need those kinds of relationships. If you're, guests, if you're visiting with us, if you're new to this fellowship, we want to be able to, to make connections and help you to, to, to fit in. We're not like this insular group. We want to add to our numbers. So please, you know, talk with the folks that brought you about getting together, getting the Bible open, and just learning and growing in your relationships. A few specifics here in, in conversation with, with others. Number one, encouragement. Uh, you know, I think that in our fellowship, we could all work on being more encouraging. We could all. I mean, there's a few of us who are really gifted in, the, in encouragement, but by and large, we all need to be more encouraging. I think our nature is just to to be negative and critical, just, it just comes naturally. We've got to work on being encouraging. And, and Hebrews uh, 3.13 says to encourage one another daily. Daily encourage. So that, that's in the Bible for a reason. And you know, when that was written 2,000 years ago, they didn't have texting. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have email. They didn't have a phone. Even a phone. They didn't even have a rotary phone 2,000 years ago. So when, for, for the Hebrew writer to say, encourage one another daily, that took some, some, some intent. How, how much easier for it, is it for us to encourage each other every day? Uh, I, we took this, that class I was telling you about, the dynamic marriage class. We became trained facilitators. And in this class, you have 24 people in the class, 12 couples. And everybody has a chance to share. And when you're the facilitator, which I was the facilitator, your job is to really pay attention as someone's sharing. They share for a couple minutes. And then after they're done sharing, you encourage them, specifically. Like you would say, like, let's say Tony Riganti shared, and I would say, Tony, thank you so much for, for being honest and, and for reminding us about this. You know, you, you, you say something encouraging. And I realized, I am not good at this. It was so hard. You know, sometimes somebody would share, and it would be like, oh, thank you for your honesty that, you know, and how mad you are with your wife right now, or, you know, whatever, just kind of. I'm just not, by natural, it, it helped me to kind of be intentionally encouraging. I've got to say something encouraging about all 24 people tonight. And it was exhausting. <laughs> and uh, so I think all of us need to work on this because encouragement does a lot for our souls. I want to show you a video. Now we're going to show the video. This is Stephen encouraging Nacho. To get the fire out. But I have given a pressure.
Ah. Wow. That's some good acting. I don't know why Jack Black was overlooked for an Oscar that year. Look at that emotion on his face. Uh, but, you know, uh, specific encouragement, it does a lot for us. You know, he says, Stephen tells him, you're a great fighter. The children need you. You're not like the other guys. You have, he points to his heart. Uh, you know, any, any words of encouragement, they go a long way, don't they? I, I love encouragement. It helps me. It keeps me going. Uh, so think about how you can be more encouraging to others. Openness. Openness is a key part of our conversation with one another. James 5 17 or 16, rather, if you write it down, says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Sometimes I'll tell people that I'm a minister and they'll say, Oh, so you have to be in that box and listen to everybody's confessions. I'm like, No, we don't do it like that in our church. I like our church because everybody does that to each other. Everybody confesses to each other. They're like, Really? I'm like, Yeah, it's awesome. You know, we just talk about our lives with each other. So I don't have to hear it all. And they're like, Oh, that's nice. So uh, this is God's plan. We, we, openness, that, that's how you change. That's how you get healed. It says, confess your sins to another, pray for each other that you may be healed. It's not for forgiveness, but it's for healing. It, it helps you to heal by being open, by talking about your life. Uh, you know, I, I got open with Steve about something a couple days ago. Just I called and said, I just want to be open about something. It, it was good for me. I felt, oh, I feel better just because I talked about it. A few things that open the door for conversation, because sometimes it's awkward and you don't know, you know, how to kind of, how do I get open? So I'm going to give you a few, a few phrases you can use, okay? Number one, do you mind if I get open about something? I mean, that's not rocket science, but <laughs> sometimes it's, how do I say this? Hey, do you mind if I get open about something? Somebody goes, oh, okay, yeah, let's talk right over there. Can I share something with you? Brother, sister, hey, can I share something with you? Uh, th- there you go. You're ready to be open at that point. Can I get advice from you about something? something that, that's a good way to get open. I need to get advice from you about something. Can, can we talk? But, but to be, being open, it's on you. Don't expect someone to ask you or to draw it out of you. Or, well, nobody's asked me how I'm doing. <laughs> that's not a good excuse. It says confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. You may be healed. It doesn't say beat confessions out of one another. You know what I'm saying? It's on you. If you need to get open with somebody today, get open today. It's on you. Don't wait for someone to pull you aside. How how are you doing in your purity? How are you doing in your anger? How are you doing with your kids? You know what I'm saying? Talk about it. It's your spiritual health. It's your spiritual well-being. No one's here to, to be down on you. We're all sinners. We're all a mess. But we need each other. And what a benefit that we have each other to talk about stuff going on. Amen? Uh, next one, calling higher. Calling higher. That verse we read in Colossians 1, it's, you should still be there in your, in your Bible. It says, to this end I labor, or the, the new translation says, to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ is so powerful that works in me. Paul was really striving to call others higher. I'm putting all my energy into calling others higher. I think so many of us, most of the time, we just kind of think about ourselves and how are we doing it and am I going to just make it, you know? And I know life is hard, and, but we got to be thinking, of, it helps you to help others. It helps you to be thinking, how can I call others higher? What does that infer? It means you've got to lead the way. Uh, I used to go rock climbing before I had kids and, and life got busy on the weekends with sports and other things. But uh, I had a friend, and we, we go rock climbing and uh, we do this, this top roping where you have the rope and it it goes up uh, from you, up to the top, and then down. And so you're climbing, and if you fall, you only fall a few feet because the rope is going from you up. That's top roping. But one time I tried this other thing, which is called lead climbing. That's where the rope is trailing behind you. And so as you're climbing, there's clips in the wall. And so as you climb, you, you take the rope and you clip in to one of the clips. And then you climb, climb, climb to the next spot, and you clip in. Boy, that was way different. Because you had to lead. You had to be ahead of the game. And so it really called me higher. It was way more difficult to lead climb. Even the, even the same level of, of, of route, it was way harder to lead climb. Why? Because you're, you're calling others higher. You're leading the way. And so it, it is a challenge to your faith to lead others. It is a challenge to your faith to call others higher. 
But, but that's the way you grow, is by calling others higher and, and helping others, and then you yourself are helped. A few specifics. Confronting sin. I know you, you just talked about it. It's on people to get open. Yeah, but if you see someone in sin, confront them. Talk to them about, hey, do you mind if I share something with you? I've noticed this. Can we talk about it? How can I help? Uh, We've got to be people that talk about issues in our church. We're not going to just turn a blind eye. We need to confront sin with each other. The big ask. We say this on staff. That we read this book that talks about the big ask. The big ask is, I'm asking you, here's what we need. We, we have needs in the church. There are needs in the children's ministry. There are needs in the tech ministry. There are needs in the benevolence. There's needs to, to serve the poor. There's needs with administration. So be someone who, who if you see a need... And you see somebody who can meet that need, ask. If you see a need, you know, let, let's be people, we're, we're willing to call others higher to, to what needs to be done, amen? Calling others to invest. Calling others to invest. Expressing vision for others. This is a, another call higher. Hey, I really think you would be great at this. This isn't just something for the leaders. This is something for all of us, for our own kids, calling them higher. That's the way we change. That's the way we grow. Some of those conversations I remember are brothers who called me higher. I remember uh, Henry and, and Mike Santacola calling me to go into the ministry. I remember that conversation. I'll never forget that conversation in July of 2000. You know, I remember Marco and many conversations I've had with Marco calling me higher. Uh, I remember conversations with Steve calling me higher. We, we need to be brothers and sisters who call one another higher. I'm going to show another video here. This is uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi calling Luke higher. And note Luke's response, because I think we can relate to this. You must learn the ways of the force if you're to come with me to Alderaan. Alderaan? I'm not going to Alderaan. I'm going to get home. It's late. I'm important as it is. I need your help. She needs your help. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. I can't get involved. I've got work to do. It's not that I like the Empire, I hate it, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. That's such a long way from here. That's your uncle talking. How am I ever going to explain this? Learn about the Force. You know, I think we can relate to Luke sometimes. I got a lot going on. We need you to serve in kids' kingdom. We need someone to, to, to lead our third and fourth grades teachers. Oh, I got a lot going on right now. It's not that I like the empire. I hate it. It's just that I got a lot going on. Uh, you know, none of us really like to be called higher. None of us really like to be, uh, you know, put out or whatever. You know, we want to just kind of be comfortable. There's part of us that doesn't like it. But there's part of us that does. You know, part of Luke, he wanted something more. You see that in the movie. He wanted to, to do something. He wanted to get out of that place. He wanted to, to, to leave Tatooine and become a Jedi warrior. He just needed to be called higher. And I think a lot of us, we, you know, part of us, we want to be comfortable. Don't bother me. I, you just kind of want to be a spiritual lump. Play it safe. I'm just kind of here. But there's part of us that yearns to be called higher and put it on the line and do something awesome for the Lord. So let's be brothers and sisters that call each other higher. Have a conversation. For conversation to count, it's what? Depth, not amount. Have real conversations on this stuff. The last one here, conflict resolution. Conflict resolution. Uh, you know, we, we all need, we need this in the church. We're going to look at Colossians 3 in a second. Because when you have human beings together, conflict arises. Uh, two of my kids, a couple weeks ago, one of my kids told on two of the other ones, it was explaining the situation, because we heard all this yelling and screaming and shrieking downstairs, and one of them said, so we, one, one of the, I'm going to try to not use their name, so, one of them went into the other one's room, the one, who was in the, the one that was in the room was, uh, was eating something, so the one goes in and goes, what are you eating? Why do you care? Just tell me what you're eating. Why do you care what I'm eating? Tell me what you're eating. So then, then it becomes this where one is sitting on the other one. And they're both screaming and yelling. And one is saying, you know, I won't let you up until you say you don't care what I'm eating. 
And it was just so ridiculous. You know, we have this talk. Okay, why didn't you just say what you're reading? I don't know, a Tootsie Roll. It was a Tootsie Roll, you know. Why did you care so much? But that's the way we are with each other. You know, you get into your thing that you want or that you, you know, your point, and then you just dig in and you just will not, I won't let you up until you let me have my way. And, uh, you know, conflict resolution so much that the bottom line is being humble is the starting point. And uh, in Colossians 3, look what it says here in Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Such a great verse. Such a great verse. I, I, I've been in many, many appointments with Steve, and he, this is like his go-to verse. Because it's just so good. This, this is the starting point of our relationships with one another. We do this family devotional, and as you can tell, it works so perfectly in our family. But um, where we, uh, we, we have a bunch of dad's clothes in the other room. So they go in the other room. And they put on some of dad's clothes, and the, the, the goal is to try to look as ridiculous as possible. And then they come into the other room, and, we all, and they kind of do a little fashion show, and we all laugh at, at how they're dressed. And the point of the devotional is they're putting on these clothes. And so we talk about putting on these qualities, compassion, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are things you have to make a decision. You're not these things by nature. So you go, I'm putting on humility right now. I'm putting on compassion. I'm pulling on these pants of patience right now because I'm going to go into this situation and I need these qualities. We have to be intentional about that. A few few practicals on this. Um, We don't have time to look at at it, but in 2 Samuel 16, there's a great story of David and this guy named Shimea. Shimea was, was not a good guy. And he, he has this grievance against David. And so he's pelting David with rocks, showering dirt on him. He's cursing him. And David's guys are like, let us kill that guy. What is he doing? This is David. And David says to his guys, leave him alone. Let him curse. Maybe God told him to curse. Or at least maybe God will give me a blessing because I'm enduring this cursing from him. And, and, you know, David just had this attitude of, God's bigger than this. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands and kill this guy. Let him curse. And, and there's something to be said for seeing the nugget of truth in whatever somebody's saying to you. Like, uh, if someone's saying something to you and it's 85% right, what are you thinking about? The 15% that they're wrong. I mean, they could be almost right. They could be 95% right. Well, no, that's not true. It's 5% of the time. You know what I'm saying? We need to have attitudes where even if they're, they're 80% wrong, we're going, okay, well, where's the part that God wants me to hear here? What's the nugget of truth? What's the 20% I can own? Okay, well, I totally own this. You're right. I own this part of it. Another a great story or a great biblical truth is Matthew 18, verse 15. Jesus says, if you have something, if you see your brother's sin, if you have something, an issue, first go, it says, just between the two of you. Matthew 18, 15, just between the two of you. What do we do? If somebody wrongs us, what do we do? We talk to everybody else except that person about what they did. And they, they might not even know what they did. And, and, and this really works. If you put this into practice, this really works to keep our, uh, our relationships where they need to be. First, talk to each other. Then, then Jesus says, if it doesn't go well, then bring two or three along and then talk again. And then if that doesn't go well, you escalate it. But you start with just between the two of you. Uh, I had an, it, it, this, is, this is kind of a silly illustration, but these are the types of things that come up in our relationships. Uh, this brother, uh, who's a minister, who is kind of my superior in the church, and he would call me, and he would leave messages, like he would leave a message, and then maybe a couple hours, uh, an hour later, he would leave another message, and then 15 minutes after that, another message, and he'd be, I'm just trying to get a hold of you. This is so-and-so again, just trying to reach you. So-and-so, you know, and maybe I was in an appointment or something, and then I get... As I'm listening back, I hear four or five messages in a row. It wasn't Marco. And so, so it's just a minor thing, but it just bugged me, you know, and this would happen. So, you know, and, and I felt tempted to talk to other people about it, you know, complain to other people, even joking. Just, you know what so-and-so did? Man, this drives me nuts. So, you know, I just need to talk to him about it. 
So I talked to him, I was like, okay, I'm sure you didn't mean to, but when you do this, it wasn't Steve either. This was, it was longer. This was longer ago. I'm sure you didn't mean to do this, but when you do this, what I feel as I'm listening back to all these messages is, why weren't you available to take my call? What I have to talk to you about is more important than anything else that you're doing. You know, my schedule is more important than yours. You, you know, that, that, that you shouldn't be doing whatever you're doing right now. You should be available to take my call. That's what I feel as I hear these messages one after another. And he, he, was, he was like, oh, wow, I didn't mean to, you know, make you feel that way. I don't feel that way at all. You know, I was just leaving all the messages so you know that, you know, I, I get credit for it or something. I don't know. Just, like, I, I only take one message and I'll call you back and I'll see all the other missed calls, you know. But it was good. We had a good conversation. It was very affirming. He affirmed me and I affirmed him. And it was, it was just affirming situation, whereas what it, what it would have been if I would have not talked to him directly he would have never known, and, you know, I would have had this attitude, and then I would have poisoned somebody else, because the way I talk to someone else, you know, the way you talk to someone else is never the way you talk to the person. The way you talk to the person is, bro, I'm sure you didn't mean to do this, but let me just tell you how I feel. The way you talk to someone else is like, can you believe what he did? Let me tell you what he did, right? So follow Matthew 18. Okay, I've got to move quickly here. Uh, Marriage, parenting, these are some of the best opportunities to get great conflict resolution. And there's a book I want to uh, recommend to you. I can't share too much about it because we did a class. I appreciate Marco and, and, uh, and taking the whole staff through this. And Mo Bashara did a two-day class, two whole business days on this one book, Crucial Conversations. I recommend this to everybody. It walks you through how to have a great conversation with someone that's life-changing and what makes something a crucial conversation is there's high stakes, there's a difference of opinion, and the emotions are high. High stakes, there's a difference of opinion, and emotions are high. Does that sound like most marriages? Most parent-teen relationships? I mean, this is something we can all use. And, uh, you know, it, it, talks, it gives a lot of great practicals using contrasting statements, like when you lock and, and you're, you're escalating, you use a contrasting statement, like, for example, you back up, take a break, and then you go, okay, wait, here's what I do want, here's what I don't want, just to be clear. What I do want, I don't want you to feel attacked right now. I do want you, I do want to express this need that I feel. I don't want you to feel like it's all your fault. I don't want you to feel like it's all your fault, but I do want, I do want to convey that I need your help. You know what I mean? And you, express, you make the contrasting statement, and that, that clears things up. There's all kinds of great, great stuff in there. But I really, really encourage you to, to, uh, to, to look into that book. Um, Elaine uh, and Calvin are great examples in our ministry of people who have great conversations with others. I mean, they're always mixing it up with people. You're always hearing about people who are changed by conversations that they had. They're always calling people higher. Uh, they shared a few things with me of, of conversations that they've had. I appreciate their vulnerability here. Uh, people that have helped them. Like Elaine said that they, they had this one relationship where when they were younger in their marriage, they would get together with this couple and, or they would talk and they would say, how are things going? And they would say, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine, when it really was not fine. And so finally the woman said, look, if we ask you how it's going and things are not going well and you say they are going well, what is that? That's lying. You're not being open. You're not being honest. And, and Elaine said that those simple, herds, those simple words stuck with her they hurt her, but they have stuck with her, and, and she remembers them, and it makes her stay open even to this day about her life. Uh, there was a, another uh, time where, where, when someone uh, told her just a good practical, to be the first one to be humble when you have a conflict. And that stuck with her, and so she's always thinking, that, okay, first to be humble, be the first one to be humble. Another uh, woman in Detroit who told her that it's so easy to forgive her kids' sins, but not so easy to forgive Calvin. And she said she felt sad and hurt God and hurt Calvin, but she still hears the words of that conversation, and it helps her with conflict resolution. And then I appreciated her, her talking about, her, she had a, a conversation with, with her son, who's 23 years old now, and she said, the controlling mom kicked into gear in this conversation. When we were finished talking, he was quiet. When I asked him about it, he said that he wanted to respect me, but he didn't agree with me. I felt so badly I completely shut him down. At his age, obedience and respect don't mean silence, nor me being so self-righteous. I was grateful he pointed it out, and we had a great talk and very two-sided. You know, appreciate her humility, trying to continue to work on those relationships. 
don't we all have stuff we need to work on in our relationships and our conversation? Uh, let's use the Bible, to, let's use our relationships with each other to help it. Uh, the thing Calvin shared about Elaine was a conversation Elaine had had with him about not exasperating their children and how he had had this relationship with their daughter when she was a teen where it was just not good. They would have fights and he would say harsh things and he would apologize later, but there were scars. And so this conversation that he had with Elaine about it, it hurt Calvin, but it caused him to go to, to action. He says, I cried, I prayed to God to help me in this area. I went to Jen, I expressed my sorrow, was vulnerable about sin in my life, asked her what I could do, worked hard at listening and being patient, loving with Jen over the next couple of years. Without any prompting, Jen two years ago said she felt closer to me than ever before and that I had become patient and loving and changed so much. It would not have happened without that conversation with Elaine about my character flaws. Amen? Amen. We're going to watch a, a, a video of, of conflict resolution. You'll see how humility really helps to work things out, and then we'll close out with one more thing. Another great Oscar-worthy performance right there. You just see, but you do see, it is true, though, when one person gets humble and just is like, I surrender, you know, you're, it just, man, it makes the conflict go away, doesn't it? All right, the last thing here, and I, I don't have too much time on this, but I, I do want to touch on it briefly. Conversation with those outside the church. In, uh, in Colossians 4, in verse 5, it says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer everyone. Every, make most of every opportunity. That means you have to be looking for it, right? What are the opportunities God is putting in front of you? How many, that's a picture right there of the South Bay area. How many thousands of people are open right now that just need one conversation? One conversation can change someone's eternal destiny. If you think about it, many of us, there was one conversation that led us here. And so let's be brothers and sisters. that We're, we're looking for those opportunities for God to use us in that way, to have that conversation that counts. For conversation that counts, it's depth, not amount. And so it's, it's just looking, how can I go deep with someone? How can I have that kind of conversation? And then it says what our conversation should be like in verse 6. Let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt. You know, the gospel is good news. I appreciate what Betty said. She was, she was controlled by her guilt, by, by, you know, by a negative self-image, by all these things. The gospel was great news for her. I think sometimes we think, oh, I got to go, I got to show everybody all the ways they're messing up. That's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. God loves you, wants a relationship with you, wants to forgive you. Full of grace, seasoned with salt. 
we need the salt. We need the truth. But let your, you let your conversation be full of grace. Be looking for it. There, there's a great story in the Bible in Acts 8, if you want to study it on your own, of, of a guy who, who uh, Philip interacts with this, this guy who's uh, a seeker, seeking God. And the Spirit tells him, go to that chariot and, and listen. And the guy's reading the Bible, but he doesn't understand it. And, and Philip asks him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And they have this great conversation, and the guy gets baptized that day, and he, he became, uh, historically he became a leader in the early church. Uh, you know, that's what we've got to do. We've got to listen for the Spirit, Always be listening. Where, who does God want me to talk to? What conversation does God want me to have? And then just ask questions. Philip's question was, do you understand what you're reading? But you can ask other, other questions like, uh, what's your spiritual journey been? What are you looking for right now in life? How is your marriage going? How are, you, how are things going with your kids? Let me share about me. Let me share what I'm going through. And just get deep. Get, just talk about your life. The, the woman that Marco shared about earlier in, in the, the story with Jesus Jesus had a conversation that counted with the woman at the well. And it changed her life forever. He just went deep with her. It wasn't a long conversation. It's not amount. It's, it's depth that, count, that makes it count. So God could be putting on your heart right now someone that's outside of the fellowship, a family member, a coworker, a friend. You know what? I need to have a, a conversation that counts with this person this week. I really encourage you to wrestle in prayer about it and then act on it. If, can you imagine if everyone here... This week, decided I'm going to have a, a conversation that counts with someone outside the church. Try to get them to study the Bible. Try to get them to open the Bible with you. Just do something. Just be bold and step out. Jesus told the guys when he sent them out, he said, don't worry what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of my Father speaking through you. That was Jesus to the 72 that he sent out, but I think it still applies to us today. I mean... If you think about the people that God used to influence you, it wasn't their amazing, articulate ability. You know, it wasn't their amazing Bible knowledge. It, wasn't, it was just God using them. So if we just open our mouths and we just be bold and take that step of, of trying to have a conversation, God is the one that does the work. Now, not everyone's going to become Christians. A lot of people aren't open. Jesus said many will reject. But no one's going to become Christians if none of us open our mouths. And so we all got to be, be brothers and sisters who are willing to take that step, and God will work when we have those conversations that we need to have. For conversation to count, it's depth, not amount. Amen.